Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your host, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and rewarding our favorite films of each year, uh, starting in 1928 and going onwards. We'll discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate and comment on the actual Oscar year and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules that we always follow, we will be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes to com and also the amount of categories will also change and evolve over time as a sort of prior into categories evolution over time today however we're going to go back to our gene arthur miniseries and we're going to be talking about the 1942 best picture nominee the talk of the town and joining me today will be returning guest jackson de stefano hello i'm very excited to be back especially with a good movie Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. Last to have time you... we talked about Arizona, and that was yeah. awful. But this is good. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm so excited to have you on here for a much better movie <laughs> and much more interesting to talk about. Just altogether, yes. lots to talk about. <sighs> um. So I guess first off, how are you? Um. How's your how, How's your day been? How are you doing? Uh, it's going good. I am. I, I just woke up like an hour ago and uh, it's just I haven't really done anything except this. <laughs> yeah. It's how it goes. Yeah, I, I get that. Um oh, so as we said, today we're gonna be talking about the talk of the town. And I guess um uh, I guess I asked you about like your first experiences with Jean Arthur, like watching her movies on the last episode we did about her. So I would like to ask you, um, uh, what was your first experience seeing this movie in particular? Well, this movie, I think I first watched it back in like 2010 or not 2010, 2018. Um, it was back when I was trying to watch every best picture nominee. And this was of course nominated and it just came up and it was just like, okay, time to watch this. And I really liked it. I, I didn't expect anything from it. It was just another old movie I'd never heard of before that I was about to watch. But it was just a lot of, I just really enjoyed it. Like the entire main cast is great. And it's just, I, I just think it's such a fun movie. And a lot of people like, have some kind of complaints about it about like the tone or whatever but i just i just think it's a lot of fun and i hadn't watched it again until like until yesterday when i rewatched it for this and it still holds up it it's it might be even better than my first time actually um i guess the first time i watched this movie was uh earlier um in 2021 um when I was going through the movies of 1942 and re-watching it, it's interesting to compare it to the movie that George Stevens, the director, would make with Gene Arthur the next year, The More the Merrier. Mm, uh, yes. And beyond the fact that it's directed by George Stevens and starring um, Gene Arthur, I would say this one is a bit... Um, I think the comparisons to No More the Mirror um, run kind of service level <laughs> because I would say it's markedly different in what it's uh, not that different, but it takes a different approach to a similar um, objective. This film. I would say this in this film the the divide between comedy and drama is more is more pointed I would say especially with uh, everything around everything to do with Cary Grant's character Leopold Dilg um, he always has like the most extravagant his characters always have the most extravagant names um, like. Uh, C.C. Dexter Haven and um, 
What was the name of his character in The Awful Truths? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, no clue. <laughs> um, uh, Jerry Warner, I guess that's a bit more normal, but he usually has some extravagant name that his character goes by. Uh, his character goes by. Yeah. And yeah, so I think we have Cary Grant's character representing the drama side of things, and you have uh, Nora Shelley, played by Gene Arthur, and Ronald Coleman playing Michael Lightcap, Professor Michael Lightcap. And mm-hmm. um, I guess it would be good to pull up a premise, good of me. Um, so <laughs> uh, basically an escaped prisoner has to prove his innocence to a stuffy law professor with the help of a spirited school teacher. So, another thing that came up to mind for me was this is not that unsimilar from what, say, Frank Kafka would do with, say, Mr. Peace Goes to Town, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. This feels very much in that vein. Really? Like, how so? At least in terms of being a uh, a sort of feel good, inspirational, um, political dramedy that takes aim at a certain um, social issue going on around that time. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it does kind of feel like a Frank Capra movie, you know, in a way. Although I think this is this is much this leans a bit more towards comedy than I think at least Mr. Smith Goes to Washington does like even in the kind of dramatic like third act or whatever it still feels very comedic like like there's a bit about how like Ronald Coleman just keeps getting hit in the head for some reason and it just it I just think it's a lot more like, even though it is more dramatic, it feels a lot more lighthearted than like the ending of Mr. Smith or something like that. Yeah, I would agree. And I just wanted to point out like the beginning of the movie where it's kind of dark, especially considering the more, but like, especially in contact, in contrast to the more lighthearted material. We have a newspaper reel that shows, uh, Leopold Dill being accused of murder and arson. Um, and then Dill kind of brutally, I think, kills or incapacitates a, a guard to mm-hmm. escape from prison. And I would say here the cinematography is actually really it great. is like when when I first started, I was just like in awe of like like damn, I did not remember this filmmaking being this good, and it, it like explains like the cinematography nomination, the editing nominations, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is back in a time where every basically every movie had consistently great production values and. There was more investment in the craft of things, which is something I appreciate from this era of filmmaking. And I guess um, I have to ask: um, Do you think that the um, uh, do you think that the main trio of Cary Grant, Gene Arthur, and Donald Coleman, do you think that they worked in terms of like a, a romantic triangle couple? Oh, absolutely. I think they're just the the perfect thruple. They, I, I love all three of them. Uh, it's just like, and they have such a fun dynamic too. It's just like you got Ronald Coleman as the, the stuffy perfect as her type. I, but he also has like a soft spot and then Gene Arthur is like this plucky kind of like go get him kind of attitude and then Cary Grant with his kind of dark and mysterious but also has a, knows how to have fun and whatever there is I just love all three of them and it's like I 
I am not the world's biggest Cary Grant fan. I don't think he's that good of an actor or that good looking, but in, in this movie, he he I really understand like why people love him. I, I think he's very good. Like he has he has a great performance, one of his best best performances ever in this. And um also he, he is just very attractive, I think. <laughs> hey, this is just a great movie. I I love all three of them. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I really like all three of them as well. The first time I watched it, I uh, wondered if I was not entirely sold in Gary Grant's performance. It felt like he was kind of in a different movie, but rewatching it again, I think uh, I'm far more convinced that he works in the context of the movie and really plays off well contrasting between the different personalities of Gene Arson and Ronald Coleman. And yeah, this movie does benefit from like I don't know how to describe it. It's just the star power that we don't really get these days. I know Mm -hmm. like Red Notice uh, just to make it first, I know Red Notice tried to sell the three stars kind of in an old-fashioned, like, old Hollywood kind of way, but... Oh, yeah. Red Notice, the, the Dwayne Johnson movie from last year. I, I completely yeah. forgot about that. I haven't seen it, but just based off the marketing, I could kind of see what they were trying to do. It's like... Like, there are still, like, movie stars, but they're less, like, impactful to the culture as they yeah. are, as yeah. they were back then. It's, like, yeah, exactly like, that. like, sure, like, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, like, the perfect kind of, like, movie star type, where it's just, like, he just kind of does the same thing in every movie, but he still gets, like, a lot of, like, still gets that money coming in, but it's just, like, I feel like it were this the 1940s we'd just be hearing about his personal life all the time and it's just like we don't really get that like we people don't really care about uh the, Dwayne Johnson's personal life <laughs> it's just like it's not like back in the 40s where it's just like every single day you had to know everything that a celebrity was doing or whatever although it's funny since like nowadays it's like that that becomes so much more easier and maybe that's why it's because like we have all this information at, at the ready. So like, we don't need to care about it all the time. We don't need to, don't need people telling us about it all the time. Yeah, that is a good point about how things have changed between, I don't know how things have, just how things have changed between then and now. And this movie is basically tackling like false oh false framing somebody for something they didn't do and hiding from the law. Um, do you think this movie like handled the more socio-political social issue aspects well? Uh I think so. I think it offers a pretty interesting discussion about like like what what the law is and what it means and whether the law is like right and good all the time or whatever. I th- like especially like having uh Dill versus like Kevin like their discussions like the first time like you've got uh when when Dilk and like Cat first meet it's just like uh, like he can't just he hears uh, like kept talking about like the law or whatever he just can't help himself but to like chime in even though he's supposed to be hiding because he's a wanted criminal <laughs> but he's just like you know what this guy's saying stupid shit I gotta I gotta stop him <laughs> like Gene Arthur's come up with a lie that he's like the gardener or whatever <laughs> he has to get back to the dying petunias or whatever it was this movie's so good it's so funny Uh, but yeah and 
there's a few scenes like that where you just have like uh, Cary Grant and Ronald Coleman talking philosophy, or moral philosophy, or whatever. It's it's interesting. It's fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I just want to point out that another um, similarity between this and um, it's just Miss Ghost at Washington is um, the co-writer Sidney Bachman, who also worked on um, Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Uh, it's undoubtedly some other films that I'm getting. Oh, um, Theodora Goes Wild. He also wrote that. And I guess he's not the most well-known writer mm-hmm. in the world, but I guess if you squint enough, um, you might recognize this does feel like similar between all these films. Like, a similar sort of style of humor, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think, I would argue that some of my favorite scenes are when it gets a bit darker, where we have Cary Grant running from the law, or we deal with who in the world burned down this wooden mill. Mm-hmm. And... I, I think my favorite scenes are the the more comedy focused ones. Like I, I I love all the scenes truly, but uh, I, for example, it's like after uh, Ronald Coleman's first night in, and it's like when he wakes up, and it's just like he like you have, and he wants to be left alone because he's that that's what he came to the little uh, cottage or whatever that he's renting uh, to do. But then you just have all these people just coming in. Like you have a Gene Arthur's mother and the movers and reporters and and the old law friend. That that's the only one that uh, that like Cap would care to see. Uh, and it's just like it, he wants to be left alone, but it's just these people just keep coming in. It's just oh god, it, it's just so funny. And even once he gets them all out, it's Gene Arthur still has to like get the coffee. Well, Gene Arthur has to get the coffee off the oven, when he, but she tells a light cap to do it while she goes talks to the the, the lawyer or whatever. It turns out to be Dilg's lawyer. It, it's just a great scene. I just love that. I, this is a very funny movie. It's like people complain that it's like, it's not totally consistent. It has like all these different parts, but I think it, I think it really balances them all well. I think like you never really lose too much in, when you go to like, sometimes it becomes kind of like a law drama. Sometimes it becomes kind of a, sometimes it is a screwball comedy. Sometimes it's a romance movie, but I think none of those other plot threads are lost in the more uh, like comedy focus, like in the comedy focus scenes, you still have like the romance building and you still have the, the tension about the like Cary Grant or whatever. And when you, you, in in the later act when you're trying when they're figuring out like who actually did this it's like you still have the comedy you still have the romance booming and all that i think i think this film like it has a difficult task to balance everything but i think it does balance it very well i would agree that everything is uh pretty well balanced considering everything that it's uh tackling and everything has to juggle and even though the different tones feel more divided i would say than even something like um the more the merrier mm-hmm. it still um shows the two different sides of uh that divide pretty well and Sorry, I'm just not. Uh, You're fine. This is one of those moments where I, well, this is one of those times where I wish I had notes, even though I do like this movie. 
Um, do you just want to um, talk more about the, th- the things that you really like about this movie? Uh, I, I'm trying to think. Of, I feel like I kind of... Because this movie is just like a very... Uh, it's very kind of consistent. It's just like... like well... There are all these different, like I kind of said everything I like about it, but it's just like I liked all those things throughout the entire movie because the main, the main parts of the movie are just the interactions between uh, Cary Grant, Gene Arthur, and Ronald Coleman and how they all just kind of bounce off each other very well. And then it's just like sometimes the plot comes in or whatever, or, and that's also very good. But it's like outside of that, it's, it is kind of hard trying to figure out more to talk about it's just like every scene it's just like oh i really like Cary grant or gene arthur or ronald coleman in this scene they're all so funny he and it's just like we also talked about how uh how george stevens really directed this well and how the cinematography by ted ted slap is really good and it's just like <laughs> what else is there to talk about uh yeah god Oh, I think I oh, think the fact that oh, you I go have, ahead. So, it it's something interesting I found out while like researching it, it, like before like watching it is that um, there are actually two endings to this movie. There is the so at at the end of the movie, it's like uh, light uh, light cat gets appointment gets appointed the associate justice on the Supreme Court, or and like she and uh. Shelly Adele go and go to the Supreme Court and watch him on his first day or whatever. Her and it's just like, and in the ending of the movie as we see it, it's just like eventually like uh, Dilg leaves the courtroom because she because he thinks that uh, Shelly is into Lightcap, but she runs out after him and makes it clear that like no, I'm into you and I choose you, but there was another ending of this where it's just like where it becomes clear that Shelly chooses light cap instead of dill hook and it's just like and in test screenings they had those two endings to try and figure out which one was more appealing to audiences because you know they weren't big brain enough to just have them be the three of them together in a big throuple but you know it's 1940s you can't expect them to do that uh so yeah it's just like there's this cut ending where uh Shelly chooses light cap instead and I guess that one wasn't as popular because that's not the one we have right now yeah I forgot about that um oh actually I didn't even I don't think I even knew about that that is interesting it's it's interesting yeah I guess I do think that I do wonder if leaving that ambiguous as as to who she chooses I think that might have added some, an interesting layer to this story, which is often very light for a lot of the movie. But I think either ending could work depending on what perspective you take. Mm-hmm. And of course, knowing um, that old Hollywood we were never going to get them just being a truffle. Because mm-hmm. um, Lord knows that uh, America was not ready to have that conversation. It, it didn't even have to be an explicit thing. Like, just have, like, the three of them arm in arm walking through the sunset or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, just have implication. <laughs> yeah, just have it be ambiguous. But we got what we got, and I think it it's a decent ending. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good ending, yeah. It just could have been better <laughs> to, to my modern sensibilities. But um, what I um, what I did remember was that um, another important thing about Cindy Buckman being the co-writer of this, this movie does uh, show empathy towards. Um, Leopold Dilg is a labor, is basically a labor leader. Mm-hmm. And he has a circle of supporters. 
this is one of those movies I'd say is very pro-union. Mm-hmm. And it, that's important because um, Buckman would later be forced into exile after uh, refusing uh, to give uh, give communist names to the House on American um, House on American Activities Community um, Committee. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it it is. It's also like very positive towards uh, like convicts and stuff. Like it, like it doesn't really judge Cary Grant for like escaping prison or anything. Like of course, like we we like find out that like he's innocent or whatever. But it's like it it still like treats him fairly for like wanting to get out or whatever. Which is it's some for some reason it's rare to have sympathy for like the prisoners or whatever but you know it's what this movie does and i really appreciate it for that yeah but, i feel like there's a different version of this movie that would have um tried to punish him somehow and got um and tried to give him a lesson not to do this or that but this movie understands like prison is hell and he was fucked over. He did nothing wrong. And it's the system that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly. not sure if it um, goes that deep into that, but the implication is there. And I don't know if I've asked this yet, but um, how do you think it, how do you think this movie compares to the um, movie that George Stevens would make with Sheen after the next year, The More the Merrier? Um, I, so in terms of quality, I think I like this one more just because of how it, I like, I think I like the thing that people complain about. I think I like how it like tackles all these different topics. I like how it ambition is and how ambition is in that aspect. Uh, but it is kind of funny how like they are kind of similar. Like I know you said earlier that they the, the similarities are only service level, but it it is kind of a, a same thing where it's just like you have these three unlikely roommates who don't really want to be together and, and all that. But I, I think what really does it for me is that I like how, uh, so like, like a uh, Ronald Coleman in this movie is kind of like the Charles Coburn character in the other movie. And I like how, and I don't really want Charles Coburn to be in a love triangle with Gene Arthur and the other guy in More Marier. I forget who it is. Um, but I do like how uh, Ronald Coleman is like, this is a love triangle in this one rather than a clear one-on-one in the More Marier. I think that's, I, I think the, the complications of a little triangle like that is a lot more fun. And then just like a, typical like blooming romance like there's nothing wrong with that like those those i still love the more than ever but i just think the dynamic in this one is more fun and of course both are great i would say i um i would say i prefer more than merrier over this film but i do really like both um I guess I would say that I think that's um, this film does feel a bit different in its um, just in the way that it's first off um, it kind of has different subject matter whereas the more the merrier was more about housing crisis um, inflating prices and how World War II factors into everything. And that feels more like a classic screwball comedy in that sense, or it's based on um, 
or is based more on misunderstandings, hijinks, and wacky situations. But everything about it felt grounded in the, the characters. It was the characters driving the situations. And that's true of uh, this film as well. It's the characters driving the situations. And some of the best moments are where they're just talking, like delivering this, uh, delivering this very specific uh, spitfire dialogue that we often got in these comedies from this era. Like it is, it is such timeless material to work with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, and of course, we also get a courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because it can't be, uh, because it can't be like a little comedy drama without a courtroom scene. Um, <laughs> do you think it matches up to the best? Um, from the Sarah, uh, scene in particular, I, uh, it's it's a courtroom scene. Like it, it's I wouldn't consider it like one of the best courtroom scenes and. The history of cinema, but it it's a good scene in a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not like Mr. Smith goes to Washington or even Mr. Deeds goes to town, but it works. It's good. It's good. It's all good. Um. So. Um, obviously, the three actors take up most of the room in this movie. Um, were there any like character actors or supporting players that stood out to you? Uh, I mean, I really like the few scenes with um, uh, Gene Arthur's mom. Uh, the act Emma Dunn is her name, <laughs> Mrs. Shelley. Uh, I, I thought she, like the few the few scenes she was in, I thought she was really fun. Um, Looking at the other characters in here, um, yeah, that's the only one that's really notable. Actually, um, Glenda Farrell uh, as Regina Bush. I, I remember. I think she, she was pretty fun too. But outside of them, no, I, I was just kind of focused on the main trio for most of it. <laughs> I just so enraptured by them. Yeah, that's... how about you? Um, well, I part of me does want to rewatch it to see or watch just the scenes with Edgar Cannon to see if he stands out more. Um, yeah, I would agree that everyone does their job and is functional, but the star of the show is really, um, really is just. The Cary Grant, Gene, also Ronald Coleman show. Yeah, it's like you don't really, they don't really, the supporting characters don't really get any big scenes or anything because it is just so uh, focused on those three. It's just like, you don't, there isn't any really opportunity for them to like make that much of an impression. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can pull up some trivia about this. Um, Want to talk about the Oscar nominations that it got? Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> That's kind of what the show is about in the end. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, I'll just read them off. So we got uh, outstanding motion picture. We got best writing original story. We got best writing screenplay. We got best art direction black and white. We got best cinematography black and white. We got best film editing. And we got best music. Uh, 
dramatic or comedy picture. So do you actually, let's go to, let me bring up my uh, spreadsheet of the actual winners. Um, so who, who do you think should have won? Or do you think it should have won any of these? Um, for best picture, I go with Magnificent Ambersons for, um, hold on, let me pull up the. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't have it for best. Actually, wait, maybe I should have it for best picture because I did move it up in my best picture ranking. Uh, so maybe I actually moved it above Yankee Doodle Dandy. Or, um, just looking at the list for best picture, I go with um, I go with the Magnificent Amersons for best writing result story. I go with the 49th Parallel. Oh, okay. And best writing screenplay, I go with um, 49th Parallel. Oh uh, no, I think I go with. Um, I think I do go. I just. I think I do go with 49th Parallel. I, um, I, can't, I can't blame that. That's a great movie. Underrated, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go check it out if you have it already. <laughs> um, best Black and White Cinematography, I um, think I go with The Magnificent Ambersons. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. And then Best Art Direction, Black and White. Also, I, Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, let me just see what else is there. Um, uh, there's a lot. Got this above all, uh, Silver Queen, Magnificent Ambersons, uh, Take a Letter, Darling, The Pride of the Yankees, Random Harvest, The Shanghai Gesture, George Washington Slept Here, uh, uh, The Spoilers. I think I do. I do go with Magnificent Ambersons. It's funny just reading out the names of some of these movies. <laughs> like, like they, it's like they don't exist. It, like George Washington slept here. Like what the hell? What is, is here? What is here? When is here? Why is here? And I, I have my big spreadsheet up, and so it's just like you know, like in other years, you've got like ladies in retirement, Lily. Uh, it, it's actually that's actually a good movie. Oh, ladies I in retirement. Never heard of it. Oh, the Dark Command. The boys from Syracuse. Man of conquest. <sighs> Fun. I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole. Anyway, anyway. Um, so did we was that all the categories? Who'd um, you get for music? Uh, uh wait, film editing. I haven't said film editing. Oh, film yet. editing also. Um I think I'd go soft town there. Okay, okay. And um, and then cinematography. No, I I'm music done. score. Music. Um. Um. Uh, hold on. I go with Mac. I go with now Voyager. Okay. Okay. So, for me, um, I've realized that my best picture winner would be Talk of the Town. <laughs> it's improved so much in the rewatch that it overcame a uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy, which was my previous winner um for both uh, screenplay and story i go also go with talk of the town it's just like i do love like 49 parallel well, and like some of the other films nominated there uh but i just think talk of the town is just a, such a well-written movie um for the best music i go with bambi because of course bambi's great uh it's disney their music so good um Production design, I go Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, cinematography, I go Ambersons. Uh, and then film editing, I go Yankee Doodle Dandy. That sounds fair, even though I don't like all these films like Yankee Doodle Dandy. You, you, you don't care for Yankee Doodle Dandy? Okay. Yeah, I don't care for it. It's just blah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I at least, I at least get it. Cool that you like it. <laughs> um, 
So um, how many nominations do you think it deserved in total beyond just the ones beyond the ones it got? Um, I think it definitely deserves some, it, it deserves a director nomination. And also it deserves like, I would give an actor nomination to Cary Grant and an actress nomination for uh, Gene Arthur. I, I, I love Ronald Coleman, but I don't think he's as good as Grant or Arthur. Um, like, he, like I still love him, but just a weak link in my opinion, if I had to choose one. But yeah, and definitely like looking at this lineup, it's like I could easily, you know, I could get, I could replace Ronald Coleman's nomination for Random Harvest with his work in this because I do like his work here better than that than than in that movie, and then replace Gary Cooper with Cary Grant, and then you have a good lineup because I love uh, Walter Pidgeon is great, and Mrs. Miniver, Monty Woolley is fantastic in The Pied Piper, and. And James Cagney is my winner that year. Um, and then for Best Actress, I could easily get rid of any of these performances that aren't Greer Garson, because I just don't care about any of them. It's, and put Gene Arthur in for the win there. I go with Betty Davis for now for that year for Best Actress. Okay. I think Greer Garson would be my own wrong. Yeah, it's, although I haven't seen my sister Eileen so maybe that one's actually great but outside but the rest it's of them not. it's not like, <laughs> okay um, but yeah uh, Pride of the Yankees is whatever her Catherine Hepburn worth of the year I love Catherine Hepburn but that she's just kind of fine in that movie she just plays herself and I I could never get into Now Voyager I know it's like one of Betty Davis's most beloved movies, but I just never could get into it. It's like, although she is pretty good in it, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep her, I guess. But that year, like, I have my own like lineup for my own awards or whatever, and my only Best Actress nominees are um, are Jean Arthur in Talk of the Town and um, Claudette Colbert in The Palm Beach Story. That's it. <laughs> I, I just needed to see more great performances from that year, I guess. Um, let me see. I, I do know I have my own um, um, list of alternate Oscars for this year. Um, Hold on, let me just pull it up. I know I have it. Um, my um line of that year was Ginger Rogers for the Major and the Minor, Betty Davis and Now Voyager, Claudette Colbert in the Palm Beach Story, Veronica Lake and Sullivan's Travels, and Carol Lombard to be or not to be. Okay, okay. Respectable lineup. Um, how many of these movies have you seen? Uh, I haven't seen Major and the Minor, uh, but I've seen Nav Voyager. I've seen um, I've seen Solvent's Travels. I've seen To Be or Not to Be. And what was the other one that you mentioned? Um, uh, was it Talk of the Town that you said? No, I, oh, okay. I, I said um, Major and the Minor, Nav Voyager, The Palm Beach Story, Solvent's Travels. Oh, Palm Beach Story. I, I of course seen that. Yes. So yeah, I, I haven't seen a uh, major and a minor yet. So I guess I need to check that out. <laughs> yeah. Um... I guess just going through some of the trivia. Um... Stuff like Ronald Coleman's character, um, like Cap, receiving like criticism for his facial hair, which is basically <laughs> a symbol of cold detachment. Oh, okay. For him, I, I thought you were about to say it's just like like Ronald Coleman had in real life. People hated his facial hair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
and then he shaves his beard as um as a signifier for his character development becoming warmer and more open towards uh, Nora in the movie which kind of corny but I, I I like moments like that it's nice yeah um and then another one is that um sound chief John Lugadari um didn't like the sound recorded for the rain scene so he replaced it with a track used for the rain scene and only angels have wings oh okay that's that's interesting it's another Gene Arthur movie too yeah and I think that's uh, like indicative of sort of the the like well-oiled machine that old Hollywood was in my opinion the fact that Luvidari was responsible for basically all the um, Sony movies no not Sony Columbia movies um, and was just able to take Oh, one of uh, my earlier soundtracks to put it in here. Yeah, that, that is kind of funny. Like, you could just go into your own archives and just pull out some sound. Yeah. <sighs> um... Oh, on this one, um, according to Columbia, Columbia Publicity Materials, Claire Trevor was to play a second female lead. Um, oh. She was in a production cast list, but did not appear in the movie. Um, that would have been interesting. That is interesting. I wonder if, like, maybe she was cast as, like, a, like a Jean Arthur's mother or something, but eventually got replaced or something like that. Well, it says that she was going to be a second female lead, so I think she might have oh. been more prominent than that. Um, maybe, maybe she would have been like a contrast to Jean Arthur. I could have seen her playing like a personality contrast, whereas Jean Arthur is just like very free, uh, very kind of plucky, and Jean Arthurish. Um. I could have seen Claire Trevor, Trevor playing a bit more cynical, per se. Like, if, um, if Claire Trevor was playing a second female lead, like, how would you insert her character into the movie? I... I can't even imagine how else how you could fit someone else in there. Like it, it's just so centralized about around the three of them. It's just like I can't imagine how a, a fourth person would would take part. It's like, yeah, it. The, I think the movie uh, with um, Claire, no, with the Claire Trevor being character being in there would have been drastically different. Maybe she ends up with uh, maybe she ends up with Ronald Coleman and Gene Arthur stays with Cary Grant and they're all happy ever after. Just pull off the twist in uh what is it? Um in the Palm Beach story where it's like you got twins or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Could have gone a, a whole, could have gone in a lot of different ways, but yeah, it would have been an interesting addition. But the question is what you do with that extra character, how you define her and everything. Um, exactly. It, it's just a tricky situation you got. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you have any like final thoughts on this movie? Um, my final thoughts are that uh, Gene Arthur is very fun. 
and I think she is a really good actress. That's it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, Jean Arthur is our queen, and we stand that, her forever. That that's why you're doing this whole series about her. Yep. Um. Uh, Jackson. Um. Thank you a lot so much for agreeing to come back on this podcast. I'm glad we got to do like a a good move. Um, yeah, I'll reach around to a better, uh, an actual good movie this time around. Yeah. Um. Although we also did a Hamlet last time, so that was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. That too. Um. Yeah, I'm always glad to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have you back in time and everything. <laughs> um, so Jackson, um, how can we find you like on the internet, on social media, whatever? Uh, I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Jack Des Williams, J A C D E S Williams with an S at the end. Uh, not really anywhere else. I'm not any professional. Don't have a website or anything. So that that's it. <laughs> Awesome. So you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Joker. Those two underscores. You can find me on Instagram at Gabe Warren. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Snapchat. Um, uh, you can find the Alternate Oscars page at on Twitter at Alternate Oscars. I also have the Patreon page. I'll post in in the description. Um. And of course, be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake and subscribe through your preferred choice of server. And um, until the next um until the next episode, sit back and relax, cheers and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the alternate Oscars.